Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty for perfect, for excellent asset and occupancy solutions. Visit bullrealty.com or contact me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. If we're not right to help you, we will put you in touch with the right people. All right, we have another really cool show for you today. We're going to talk with Gunnar Branson. He's CEO of the Association of Foreign Real Estate Investors, IFIRE, and uh, they do an annual report, which is a survey of investors, and ask them a lot of key questions and what their, their expectations are in the year moving forward. So please welcome Gunnar. Gunnar, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, great. Well, if you will, kind of in a 30-second, tell our uh, uh, audience that if they don't know, who AFIRE is, and then tell us how this this how long you've been doing this study and this report, this survey, and uh, who do you survey about it? Excellent. Well, AFIRE is a group that's been around uh, for about thirty five years, uh, made up of investors from around the world, institutional investors such as pension plans, uh, sovereign wealth funds, family offices, etc., all focused on the U.S. market and on investing alongside investment managers and others in this market and understanding what's going on there. And it was started by a group of Japanese and Dutch investors trying to figure out how to invest more intelligently into the US market and understand what the issues were and work around them. We're now 24 different countries, a couple hundred firms. Uh, we, uh, we meet on a regular basis. And we also, for about 30 years, have been conducting a survey on an annual basis to figure out what's on the minds of institutional investors from around the world and how are they prioritizing? How are they thinking about different markets and what are they doing? And, and, and lucky for us, Michael, the one for this year just came out. And so we're able to talk about brand new information that, that I'm still becoming uh, familiar with as we go. But uh, I think it's fascinating what's coming up, especially in a time like this, when there's so much volatility and so much change uh, in the world, not, not to mention uh, in the real estate market. So this is a, a good time to be asking these questions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And about how many people do you interview in this survey and how do you do it? Is this an emailed survey or what, how's it done? It is an emailed survey. Um, and uh, this year we had uh, 72 uh, uh, respondents, uh, again, from all over the world, uh, not just one country, but all over, um, all of them investors. And that's kind of the big priority. They have to be institutional investors. They have to have a significant portfolio in order to answer the questions that we have. Uh, it's done through email, although we do some interviews uh, with a few folks to make sure we get all the information that we need to get. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, first of all, I just want to ask you about the kind of overall sentiment uh, about the market moving forward. What, what do they say? It is remarkably positive. Uh, I think we hear a lot of the news that, that is negative and is challenging, and, and there's no end to that, really. It's, there's a lot going on, and not just in real estate. But uh, I'd say that uh, 76% uh, of the respondents uh, are very optimistic, and they plan a net increase in buying this year. Uh, so I think that's a wonderful, especially considering that the last quarter or two of last year was at near uh, high levels. Uh, for investing uh, compared to pre-pandemic. Uh, they are very optimistic and they have a real mandate to invest in the U.S. 
um, the money has to go somewhere. So that's a lot of what's driving them. But also they're seeing some opportunities in the market, just not the same opportunities that they were investing in maybe five years ago. The other key thing to pull out of this right now, there's a lot of conversation in real estate circles and business circles and everywhere about the change in the way people use office buildings and office space. And the debate usually goes somewhere along the lines of one person, probably with a large portfolio of, of office in his real estate portfolio saying, everything's going to return back to normal. Everyone's going to come back. The office is important. We love the office. Not that, that what that person is saying is wrong, but that is one point of view. The other point of view is that the office is over. Everyone's going to work from home and they're going to be on Zoom all the time. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in between those two poles, is what is likely to happen going forward. We just don't know what it is yet. But what's interesting to me in the midst of this discussion that's been going on for two years, that 81% of our respondents believe that the pandemic has permanently altered culture and live work preferences. Now, no one knows exactly what that looks like in terms of uptick in, in use of office space or where things need to be located. However, we can look at what they're actually doing, where they're investing, the regions they're investing in and the property types they're investing in to infer some of the things that they're thinking are likely to happen. But 81%, yeah. a majority, yeah. a strong majority say, this is it, it has changed. Now we're just catching up with the change. Yeah, and it's interesting to note the timing on this in case someone's listening to this or watching this later, here we are at the end of April 2022. And, and these folks were surveyed uh, in what time period? Just recently, right? Just recently. Yeah. Just in the last couple of months. Yeah. Well, interesting. So what about their allocation of property types? I would think if they think the, that landscape has really been altered, that, that maybe their allocation of properties has changed? Well, it, it's changed in intensity, not necessarily in direction. So over the last few years, even before the pandemic, you were seeing a shift from an emphasis almost primarily on office. So office has been, especially CBD office, has been the asset class for an institutional investor. Think pension plan. They're putting their money there for a long term. They don't want it to be volatile. They want it to, they want it to be something they can rely on with long-term leases, something that, that, that's substantial. Um, they've been pulling back from that for years now. So it used to be 65 to, you know, or more percent of their portfolios were sitting in office. Now it's 50%. And they're projecting that it will decrease even further in the years to come. Hmm. Why? Because they're putting their investments and their focus in other asset classes. And this is something that's been going on before the pandemic and has accelerated. One is warehouse. You know, it, all you need to say is industrial warehouse and you'll get an institutional investor interested, especially if it's one that's going to be something that Amazon can buy or something along those lines. Last mile, especially, really want to be there. They also have even more so, even greater amounts in multifamily. They see the same numbers that everyone sees in terms of the housing shortage that's out there and where demographics are going. And demographics are determining a lot for us right now. They are, that's where they want to be. They want to be in, in multifamily. They want to be in industrial. And then there's a lot of other asset types that they want to be in that maybe in years past would have seemed a little weird. Uh, basically, uh, you know, anything associated with medical or biosciences, they're in, they want to be there. Uh, student housing is still very popular, even though it's been a popular asset class for a long time. And it has been seen as niche, but I think it's less and less so all the time. 
I think data centers, which is very much a niche product, everyone wants some uh, in their portfolio. They have returned quite well, but it's it's not easy. It's not just getting a warehouse and, and putting in some, some computers. It, it, it's more complicated than that. And you see specialists doing very, very well in this place. You're seeing some that are investing in, in, in film studios because there's been real growth because of streaming content in terms of uh, production of video. Uh, it's all over the world now and, and, and at a level that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. These are the special kind of asset classes that are more what they want than office. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have office. They have a lot of office. They are the largest office holders. But their interest in terms of new investments are less so in that space. And it makes some sense. There's still uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen and what's the capital requirements for that office product uh, that perhaps they didn't have a few years ago as they try to convert them, make them more flexible or whatever it is that has to be done to office. And there's a lot of good discussion around that, but no one really knows exactly where they're going on that. Uh, yeah. A lot of people assume that Midtown, Manhattan, they're safe everywhere else, not so much. Maybe, but I think even there, there's some discussion as well. Uh, yeah. I think interestingly, you have at the bottom level, retail. Everyone you know, right now is frightened of retail unless they really, really know it and they know what they're gonna do with it. Mixed use is having some success with retail, but it's a scary place to be. Right above it is office. It's kind of in the same place, in the in the, it's in the doghouse, if you will, where we're still trying to figure out if we're going to let it out, um, if it right. behaves. Uh, right. But that's that's kind of where it's going. But I find it interesting, Michael. I think that tells you a lot about what people are predicting or what people are at least afraid of and what they're excited about. Right. And when you think of institutional investors, you typically think of you know really core asset. Are there plans changed there related to allocation of risk class? Yeah, I think a bit. Uh, I, I think you, you've been seeing a steady drumbeat towards um, value-add and opportunistic uh, investment plays across the board. You're still seeing it. I think part of that is not related, believe it or not, not related to COVID, is related to just the ongoing search for yield and the incredible competition for those core assets, really taking the pricing up to a point that it can be difficult. It's not, it's not as simple as perhaps it was in the past. Uh, but you're also seeing as they move into different asset classes, office is core. Is a lot of the multifamily or has it been called core in the past? I mean, these categories are getting a little, they're moving a little bit and it's very hard to understand where they go. So as they move asset classes, I think it also means it moves their definitions. Yeah. And is it also moving um, their allocation to more suburban uh, out of the CBD? I think that varies. Uh, you know, the, one of the problems we've always had with the word suburb is that we use it too generally for a lot of different kinds of neighborhoods in different urban areas. Um, some are doing extraordinarily well and some continue to attract investment dollars. Uh, I think there are winners and losers in that space still, but there is a lot more interest in that kind of product, especially as they're in multifamily more and single family. So single family rental has just exploded since 2008, and it continues to explode as this housing crisis continues, especially in places like Atlanta. Uh, that has become an institutional and a global institutional investment class. Some of my single family um, rental investors and developers are not US based. Uh, they see it as a, a really promising asset class and have done very, very well in that area. But 
is is that traditional core? You know that 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 looks a little different. Um, yeah. And I think anytime you're doing development, anytime you're doing uh, renovation and change, that's seen as a value add or an opportunistic play. So that's a lot of where we're moving. In other words, there's a lot of reasons why that shift is occurring. Um, but you know, remember that they are now sitting in a place where they have to make investments that maybe are driving up a risk spectrum. Some of those are really good reasons. Some of them, you know, I don't know, we may regret. We always get to that point at certain points in economic cycles where we go, gee, you know, are we pushing up the risk spectrum and not getting paid for it? Um, I've heard those discussions. I don't think it's universally true. Um, I think it's one of those things that we are in a place where everything's changing. So everyone is having to change their investment strategy. Yeah. We're talking with Gunnar Branson, he's CEO of Association of Foreign Real Estate Investors, about their annual survey, the AFIRE International Investor Survey. And, and Gunnar, as you're interviewing all these institutional investors, looking at their plans moving forward, are there certain cities in Atlanta? I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. Are there certain cities in the U.S.? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm rooting for Atlanta, right? Uh, <laughs> well, more investors more interested in than they have been in the past. Any changes there? So the number one city in the United States for institutional investors around the world, and if you have a drum roll, you might want to put it in here, is the great city of Atlanta. Oh, um, really? Absolutely. Atlanta is the top of our list this year. Um, interestingly, there's been a, sh a, a shift that's occurred. Now, in, in the past, the top cities were always New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Washington, DC. Atlanta would show up every once in a while around number five or six, um, but generally was not a was not in the top markets in terms of where they wanted to be. Starting last year, we saw secondary and tertiary markets really start to, to come on strong and, and really become a larger part of their target. Uh, and that started with Austin being counted number one last year. Uh, other uh, markets in the top five uh, this year include uh, Dallas and uh, uh, Boston. Uh, again, these are markets where there's a high, high amount of tech uh, jobs, uh, growth, uh, young people, lots of millennials, uh, diversity. Um, all these things that certainly Atlanta has in spades. And, you know, we're seeing a continued kind of growth tangent in terms of uh, real estate in, in markets like Atlanta. Um, will that, is that a fundamental shift in terms of, you know, these are the markets? We're still only a couple of years into this, so it's hard to tell if this is like a permanent kind of shift. One of the problems that you have with these smaller markets for institutions is, is uh, rather prosaic, and that is they're not very big. Uh, so when you have large pension funds trying to invest into a market, they kind of run out of buildings to buy. Um, and that, that, that can be difficult. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how long these things go, but I think there's, there is an amazing amount of interest. In fact, we had our winter meeting this year of, uh, the AFIRE membership in Atlanta. Uh, there is a lot of interest in the Atlanta market. Um, but, you know, that also includes others. And I think one of the discussions that we've been having, most of the markets that are doing really well right now in terms of preference, in terms of new investment, are Sunbelt markets. Uh, now, that's a trend that's been going on for 20 years easily in terms of investment in, in an area of the country where it's less expensive, weather's nicer, uh, is attractive to, you know, a large demographic. Um, there, it has not slowed down. 
but there is question about the climate risk and where that sits with these different markets. Um, not that there's any conclusions, but high in their concerns, especially the European investors, is what is the impact of climate change? Yeah. And that kind of brings to mind a question my audience may have for you next, Gunnar, uh, related to the institutional investors you surveyed here as far as foreign capital coming into the U.S. Uh, is there any change there? What are the expectations of the, the largest markets that were the largest countries where this money might come from for U.S. properties? Well, the, the largest country continues to be Canada. Uh, so everyone should work on their Canadian accents uh, and not use them whenever they're in a meeting uh, with their colleagues. But no, it's, um, I mean, that's far and above one of the bigger ones. But Europe in general is very strong. We expect a higher amount of investment from the UK uh, than we have seen in the last couple of years. Uh, Asia continues to be very, very interested in the US market and is, is ramping up efforts. And by Asia, I mean Japan, South Korea, and, and in both of those countries, we're talking about pension plans primarily, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia. Um, really, I, I would not discount what's going on in Asia just because of the, the tensions between the U.S. and China. I think there's a, a lot of interest in, in long-term investments in, in U.S. real estate. I think you know, the, part of what we're seeing in all the questions we ask is it's almost not even worth asking. Are you increasing or decreasing your investments in the U.S.? And the answer is increasing. And that's even in the difficult and challenging environments that we find ourselves in. U.S. real yeah. estate has a high level of attractiveness, um, you know, and, and some of that is even beyond what we worry about in terms of whatever strife there may be going on or whatever controversy is that we do have pretty darn good property law. We have a pretty consistent currency. We may do some funny things in terms of international regulations, but for the most part, were consistent and were and were predictable, um, all of which makes us an exceedingly attractive market. You add to that our demographics, uh, in terms of a, you know the large a large group of young people still uh, that are growing and having families and everything else. It just makes U.S. real estate look really attractive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Gunnar, what about uh, interest rates uh, rising and the impact there? Was uh, some of your questions uh, related to that? Well, when we ask people about um, about the things that they're worried about, if you will, um, and you know what they're considering, you know, high up on the the list, always at the top of the list, is inflation and interest rate fluctuations. Um, they see this as you know really a, a challenge that we're going to be going through for a while. Now, no one's in the business anymore of predicting when inflation is going to end or where it goes, but um, it is at the top of their list. And you know, you got to realize that part of their concern is not just inflation, it's currency. So in addition to the concerns we have in the US, uh, if I'm a German investor, I'm going to be worried about uh, changes in currency and currency fluctuations as much as I am anything else. Um, and that we're already seeing. Um, as every country is trying to figure out how to fight inflation, it's not all going to happen equally. And it's, it's going to create some problems there. So those are some you know, how they hedge that and how they deal with that is difficult. And that's top of the conversations. But, you know, interesting to me is that whenever we ask them, what's the most important, what's going to impact you the most in terms of things that are changing and risk, right after interest rate, they talk about consumption and live work preference changes. 
when they talk about cybersecurity. Um, these are things that everyone's worried about, but it is having a very real impact on what they're doing um, yeah. day to day. Yeah, yeah, it, it does for all of us. And one of your questions related to um, future trends is what will be the key success factors for real estate investment over the next 10 years? Well, what would they tell you? Uh, well, uh, you know, they, they, they told us a lot of things and, and right now I'm racing to get that sheet. So I don't say something really, really <laughs> dumb. Uh, but, um, Hey, that's what happens when we get, get it right hot off the press. Here. Hot off the press. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, I think a lot of what they are pointing at, um, is if, if you understand the demographics, if you stay ahead of some of the macroeconomic issues that are out there, you're going to be okay. I, I think the biggest thing is demographics. And that, that's true, I think, of real estate in any time. But right now, I think it, it's, it's, there's less room for us to cheat on demographics. That is going to be essential. ESG comes right after. And I think appropriately so, because especially in Europe, they've changed the, the, the bar that you have to cross in order to be a green investment. Um, they're extremely concerned about whether or not the, the, you know, the European investors are very concerned about whether or not they're going to be allowed to buy U.S. real estate because it doesn't meet those bars as well as European real estate. There, there is some things that we need to address. Now, I think real estate in the U.S. has actually done a fantastic job with ESG. We have changed so much about how we build and maintain our buildings, and they're better than they've ever been. So I'm, I'm very excited about that, and I think everyone should get real kudos for what's happened in the last 10, 15 years. However, we have a really long way to go. We, you know, just one aspect that we don't really have a grip on is concrete, which is probably one of the biggest contributors to, uh, to carbon in the atmosphere. Um, hard to imagine doing what we do without concrete, but there are ways to do it better. There are ways to do it smarter and we're not doing it yet and we need to, but that's just one thing. There's a lot of things that we need to address in terms of how we build and how we maintain uh, that will help us from an investment standpoint in terms of Europeans being able to invest, but also frankly, from the standpoint of doing a better job at the environment, which we all need to do. The social and the governance part of ESG are also important. And you're seeing more and more conversation around that. By social, I mean, it's not just, are you treating your tenants well? Uh, do you have a diverse workforce? Those are important. Those are essential parts of what you do, but you also have to be looking at the community that's around the building that you invest in. These need to be our concerns because they are the concerns of the different regulators that are really, to a certain extent, becoming gatekeepers for the money. Uh, that's being invested. And governance, obviously, it, you know, it, it, in my mind, it's never out of fashion to have intelligent, transparent, smart governance. Uh, it's how we keep everything clean. It's how we build confidence uh, from our customers and our investors uh, that things are what we say they are. Um, and I think it's just essential to have, you know, powerful and good governance. Um, and then, you know, and then a lot of it's just really kind of We've got to we we've got to be thinking, not just going with what worked before. So, expertise in terms of particular areas needs to be brought into real estate more, more on data, uh, more on uh, more on ESG. Um, that if we bring good people in and we actually listen to them, um, 
we have a better chance of succeeding going forward. Also understanding the supply chains. We, you know, to a certain extent, we've been able to take supply chains for granted, but we are as much a manufacturing business as the car companies are. We manufacture buildings, we change buildings, we fix buildings, and therefore we are incredibly reliant and incredibly vulnerable to supply chain changes. In fact, construction has been really curtailed in this country because of exploding costs for everything from, from wallboard to window, Mac, you know, to anything really, to furniture. Um, these things are slowing us down in meaningful ways and are increasing our costs across the board. So just as manufacturers have to be concerned, so do we, um, as we look at that, and we need experts in supply chain to help us do a better job um, at doing real estate. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Well, uh, Gunnar, this is a very extensive report. Uh, you've got a lot of experience in the industry. You've been been around this for a long time. As you go through this survey and, and we're a part of it, and now you're you're talking about it, what jumps out to you as what we should think about uh, after you went through all this? Well, there's one area that I think we need to think about more and more clearly, and I alluded to this earlier, and that is... Um, the, the reality of, of uh, climate change and the impact that it's having on our cities and the cost. Um, I'm talking to more and more investors that are saying, you know what, not only are we talking about it uh, in the investment committee, um, but we're trying to figure out what are the smarter moves to make. They're starting to map out all our cities and understand what the risks are block by block to flooding, to storms, to what have you. Uh, they're starting to make some pretty serious assessments on fire and on drought and what that does to the growth of particular areas. I think we need to do more of it and we need to realize that it's not just certain cities, it's all of them. Uh, they all have their own particular vulnerabilities. And even though I'm hopeful that we will figure out a way to stop uh, the, the climate change, uh, we have to live with the climate change we have for a while, and that changes risk. And obviously, we need to understand that risk and work with it and and somehow go from there. So I think that comes out to me clearly from a lot of the things that people are saying. Also, as, as someone once said to me, uh, the world has already changed. We're just figuring it out. <laughs> I like it. What about inflation? Uh, I mean, is, is the, the increased inflation in the U.S., how does that impact in institutional investors? And, and what do they say about that in the survey? Well, they're concerned about it. And they see it as a, a big thing. I think it's one of those things that we can't control. Um, there are certain things that we can do around it. Certainly, real estate has traditionally been seen as an inflation hedge. Um, it depends on how long your leases are. Right. So that that makes the shorter lease terms uh, in multifamily even more attractive if we're in an inflationary environment. Um, but I think they're very concerned. And the other question is, how fast will cap rates change along with it? Um, we'll see uh, yeah. as we go forward. Great. Gunnar, great information. Great survey, sir. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you, sir. It's a real pleasure. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. We'll have a uh, link to the survey uh, at our website at CREshow.com.
Hey, please connect with us. Uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or thoughts or comments on this show. Let us know what you think. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.